it's my lifestyle, it's my lifestyle. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Grounds Crew, a podcast covering all things baseball. We're brought to you by Baseball Lifestyle. Homie, I listen, you're talking to the man, the myth, the legend on your 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 significant other does not want you to look your best. Yeah. Melissa has fattened me up and refuses to let go. Last night, I order, last night we went to Old Fields because I'm like, I want a low key dinner. I got the potato leek soup again. I was, dude. I was as soon as she said that you guys were going there, I was like, Oh, you guys missed out on that soup. No, I got the potato leek soup again. She tried some. That sounds delicious. It Bro, it's slaps. so good. That's around the corner. Woo! It's nine ninety five for this big ass bowl with pieces of bacon on top of it. Okay, dude, you could so literally, you guys could go both get a bowl and a beer. Mm-hmm. Be in and out for roughly twenty dollars a person, and it's so fucking good. Ask for some crispy bread to dip into it. You're 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 ruling the world. They like the world. hit us with this little like shot glass of soup when we were waiting for our food because it was too long. Yeah. Mm. So they gave us these little cappuccino cups filled with soup. That's so cool. And it was gas. Love that. It was gas. Obviously left you wanting more. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what what you hadn't had is their French onion soup. Mm. It's fucking stellar. Like borderline like pornographic it's so good um (laughs) so like noted for next their soup is good yeah no their soup Mm. is good their french onions 11.95 for the bowl though because it's worth it right it's fucking worth it melt that that fire it's listen so i got you go into it we got thought of like i'm getting this as my app but the problem is we got calamari (laughs) we got calamari to share and then i got the potato soup right i get my burger i'm like three bites into my burger and i'm like i'm fucking folded Yep. Then Melissa let slip that it was my birthday, and I was like, "Motherfucker, if you come back singing Happy Birthday to me." Oh, they sing there. Oh, oh. And he's like, he's like, I got you. Came back with these two little shooter glasses of root beer float. Love that. Oh, nice. Little small thin ones, um, with one single candle that he melted onto the thing, and he said, "That's low key, right?" I'm like, "Appreciate you." He's like, "Happy Birthday." Melissa's like, "I'm gonna tip the shit out of that guy." What a dude. What a dude. What a guy. What are we talking about today? We should have just been recording been this recording? part. I just want to point out, welcome to the off-season grounds crew, where all we talk about is movies and food. So oh, you have yeah. a recording. Out of boy, Have I cursed a lot this time? I, I actually don't, don't think, think you so. did. It was, we were, it was mainly just food and movies. So. That's amazing that I went. We're, I'm actually really proud of you. We're, a 10-minute stretch that's, with, that's without a single personal growth. We're at, we're at nine and a half minutes. Nine and a half minutes. I said t- 10 minutes without me cursing? Love that. Wow. Well, guys, if you are if you have been listening this whole time, obviously there's not much going on in baseball uh, because we're locked the F out of uh, MLB. It's unfortunate, but welcome back to the Ground Screw. Before we get started, like and subscribe nine minutes later. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll probably end up like cutting this in and... Maybe feathering this. We're just gonna jump right send into it. this. I'm honestly, yeah. what, I was, what I was saying was like to Dennis was like, listen, we we have a limited uh, notes for today, so like, hey, like let's just chat. Let's give people a little insight into into who we are and kind of what we like to talk about. Uh, Obviously, we're big movie people. We're big food people. Big soup guys. Big soup guys. You know, good soup. When I was like working through my diet, I was like, maybe I'll get more into soups because like there is a whole new world, and I kind of like. I've limited my soup game. So let's talk. Let's talk about your soup game. Sure. So you have to explain to the people listening why you've limited yourself with soup. Um, for the first twenty-two and a half years of my life, um, I ha- was very averse to vegetables. Guys, when he says very averse, yeah. we're not talking averse. We're talking he would not eat a vegetable to save his life. Yep. Yep. What so, changed? Uh, 
Well, I would say like in the last like few years, I've definitely tried more to like just try new foods in general. Yep. Um, so like, sure, there's vegetables and sushi, but like I was never eating like vegetables are straight up like, hey, I'm just gonna have some salad. Um, but you know, like I started doing the whole thirty diet. And I was like, let me, you know what? It's time. I need to just be an adult about this and fucking eat salad. Um, and I did, and it's not that bad. <laughs> how how many salads are you up to now? Seven. Seven. So we still we've slowed precipitously. I mean, yeah. We got to get to ten before, so I can stop talking about the salads. For sure, for sure. We got to get to ten. Yeah. Um. So what soups now does this open you up to? What were you avoiding? Honestly, I don't. I don't really know. French onion soup you were avoiding. Yes and no. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like what place? Like some places just don't have it. So yeah, a like lot of places don't. So like it's kind of like if I stumble on it, sure I'll try it. Sounds like I really need to go to, to Old Fields and try it. So. But yeah, I'm down to try stuff like chicken noodle has lots of vegetables and stuff in it, depending on where you go. Did like, the potato leek soup like blow up your brain? Yeah, it was amazing. Okay, that's but like that's also why I was like I really want to have that second cup, but I know I got a great steak coming and I want to eat the whole thing. So it, it was like it was tough for me to be like no, and you were like you really should eat that other cup, and I was like I'm not going to, and it's hurting me. <laughs> I I could see future you and you were you were you were not feeling it. It was there the entire way through dinner. I was like I could just stop eating and like eat that. So so this this brings up this brings up three things that I'll mention here on the show. Sure. Uh we are going to get into baseball eventually if you're listening. Yeah, for sure. Uh <laughs> one grounds crew dinner. Mhm. Let's go to the old fields. I'm down. Uh sometime next week. Cool. Sounds good to me. Perfect. Uh, soup so that we can end the year with a little celebration yeah. on me mazel tov to everybody for the for the show this year uh, second Dennis I want to bring you out to lunch okay we're going to Cheesies okay because we have to Cheese Lees Cheese Lees is yes. that what it is yes. I just saw Cheesies yes I've looked into it as well che- we, so we'll also do that with Dennis maybe we'll do that today um, are you familiar with it at all uh, not necessarily. I've seen it, but I don't know what it's all about. I'm assuming it. Has I'm not going to explain cheese. it. Everything cheese. Yeah. Cheeseburgers with uh, the grilled cheese as the bread. Uh, a like grilled a build your own mac and cheese type thing. Yeah. Like, a grilled cheese with mac and cheese in it. Um, you ate that at Panera yesterday, right? Oh no, we we forced you not. Yeah, to. you forced me not yes, to. Yes, yes, yes. That it's literally they should call it Dennis. Yeah. Okay. You know, which is the same. Mm-hmm. Your new nickname might not be Cheese anymore. It might be Cheesley. Okay. It has a British feel to it for it me. It does, yeah. Right? I'll start Cheesley. Cheesley. Yeah. I'll start talking in a British accent poorly. <laughs> you, you, poorly? Was that it? Or was that Canadian? No, that was just... That was, just, <laughs> yeah. that was the Canadian... He's going to like slowly slide into Canadian like Josh, where he has like no discernible accent when he tries. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I just can't handle it. Yeah. Jay Shap... Uh, Every accent sounds identical. Yep. You could tell him do any nation. It's the exact same. Yep. Everybody sounds the same to Josh. It makes no sense. The dude, he he very clearly can't sing. If you've listened to this podcast, where our our acapella group is phenomenal. The four cheeses. <laughs> the four cheeses. I like that. Or who's the fourth? Is it is it Josh? I don't know, but you gotta have a quartet, right? Like that's the a quartet usually is just because of the different styles. So you have somebody who sings like the primary, right, or like a soprano, an alto, a tenor, and a and a bass Mm. or a baritone, and that's just so that you have somebody who's a beat, right, and some everybody layers in the sound. So you got you you're the TikTok guru here. Um, You saw obviously when people were doing that. uh, 
I could be brown, I could be blue, like that whole trend. Yeah. So that's each of those layers mm-hmm. is even a, a different piece of somebody who would actually sing. Right. So when you're in chorus, all of those different pieces, the the your your chorus instructor or whoever is running it um, will place people throughout it to give you that sound uh, as harmoniously as they can. So that's why it's hard to be in chorus is someone standing right next to you is singing the same song differently. Right. Right. So you you're hearing someone singing it this way and you're trying to sing it a different way. Mm-hmm. Try to sing a song that you're listening to on the radio differently than they are. Very difficult. Yeah. Very difficult. Can you also explain why you know that? Uh, I well, Allstate Nisma. Yeah, yeah. Long time ago. That was a long, long time ago. I don't sing as much anymore. I know. Only you're, when I'm you're, like, you're like Will Farrell when he's like, I have the voice of a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> I've never sang in front of anybody before. Yeah. I've sang, front, I've, I've sang in front of many people yeah, before. Yeah. I've sang at park openings. I've sang at the Smith Haven Mall. Nice. Uh, I've sang in a whole bunch of theaters, Nassau Coliseum, a few different places. Humble brag. Love that. Humble brag. Humble brag. Bringing it back, though. I'm going to bring it back. Baseball. Buck Showalter interview with the Mets. Man, listen. So Scherzer comes out. He says he's down for it. Mm-hmm. So, like, that pretty much, like, sews it the F up. Like, now they can't not do it. I saw for a hot second that they were considering the Beltron reunion that we've been talking about so adamantly. I would love to see it. Um, The other guy that they brought up, but he quickly, like, kind of mashed it down was Curtis Granderson. Uh, Again, I look at at Grandy and Beltron similarly in terms of how they're respected in the game. Mm -hmm. Beltron was the better overall player. Yeah. but Curtis is awesome. Curtis is a great guy. We, we met Curtis uh, at the All-Star game this year. And uh, super good dude. Uh, just cool to talk to. Uh, not as big as I was expecting. Right? Like, Oh, no. I thought he would be about that size. Yeah, but like, like I, when you when you see guys on TV all the time, yeah. you, you you think about him hitting 40 home runs. Yep. And then it's just like, so oh, you are, you, do that? <laughs> you are just a human. I got, yep. got it. Got it. You know who was shocking to me to see in person? Chris C-C. Bryant. No, not C. Well, CC was definitely huge, but he also been working out like a yeah. madman. Yeah, he's a hoss. Yeah. Uh, but when, when we were at the All Star game, and I I was like walking the tunnel of the stadium, and all of a sudden there was Chris Bryant, and I was like, "Damn, you are six five. Like, and and he's like a little lanky too. And I was like, and he was next to K- Craig Kimbrell, who was a shorter, like stockier guy, and it just made him look enormous. Is it so? Like, uh, we have two guys who come in here on on an occasion. One all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one when he's home from college. Uh, do you get that same feel, like, from Afani and uh, Joey Savage? They are definitely very tall people. Joey more so because I see him less. So, like, I'm now just used to Afani not being able to fit through the doorway. Um, Afani is six foot seven, 200 and probably 40 pounds now, but he used to be, like, 255, 260, tight end in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he just casually hangs out the office. Now. Yeah, I think if I just, like, randomly saw Afani, like, I'm sure the first time I ever met him, I was like, wow, you are very tall. So I, I got to hang so- – we were doing a, 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 having a bunch of high school athletes came here to use the space last week. Right. Um, In our studio. Did you see the one dad, Kenyon's dad? Yes. Kenyon's dad. I'd seen him before at the gym. So, so yeah. Kenyon's dad to me still is scary large. Um, he's probably, I think he's 6'6", so he's a little shorter than Afani. Mm-hmm. Um, but he right now, after losing a whole bunch of weight, uh, is only about 385. 
Uh, so he's really leaned up a lot mm-hmm. to get down to 385 from the 500 he was. Um, that man is huge. So when Afani walks in the door, ducks underneath the doorway to get mm-hmm. into it, um, he he stands up straight. And I'm like, look at you being tall. He's like, it's nice seeing somebody else who's my height. He's like, I always, he's got like a hunch in his back from trying to shrink down to yeah. like Josh's size to so talk, like talk to him. Yeah, so it's not like demeaning that he's looking straight down at Josh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Joey, yeah, high school kid, or was a high school kid, now is a college kid. Mm-hmm. When he comes home, you start realizing like he's filling out he looks the part. Oh yeah, he's he's Scherzer esque body and and face and grizzle and he just needs to get the mismatched eyes and mm-hmm. he'll be ready for taking over the world. Most, cer- most certainly there. Who do you want the Mets to take as a manager? Yeah. Do you want Buck? I don't mind. I, I I've seen a lot of people actually like saying they don't want him, and I think they're. I think that's that's misplaced. Okay. I think it. I think it's a blind uh, focus on the fact that he is like an older guy and yep. probably has a certain style to him. Well, who was an older guy this year whose team was better than we anticipated? Tony Larusa. How how old's Tony? That's a good question. Dennis seventy. I, I don't know if the internet seventy one go that far. Damn, <laughs> damn. He he damn. is he is very old. Well, so I think Buck is definitely, younger. He's definitely younger. I I don't know by how much, but it's probably like Buck is probably early sixties, mid sixties. Uh, but so so for me, like that that goes back to <laughs> Larusa seventy seven. Seventy seven, my Lanta, my Show Walter uh, is. And how 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 good were the was Chicago? Walter sixty five. Uh Chicago. Mid. Chicago was tr- ninety three and sixty nine. So and what were they the year before? Can we just pull that up? Because I think it, it. And granted, they had a great team, but we also assumed that there was. But this be a, Mets team is this now year. a very good team. No no no, back up. Last year's Mets team was a really good team. At this, in our, in in at this time last year, well, actually maybe a little bit later after we made some signings, but like, call it right before spring training, we looked at the Mets and said they're better than the Braves. And before the season started, and even midway through the season, that was a real. We were thing. at the All Star game talking to to Brian, and he was saying, "I think that the that that they can do it, that they can turn it around." They got some great pieces at the at the trade deadline, everything else, mm-hmm. and, and I was like, "Oh man, I don't know." Like th- this, this seems like it's the Mets' world, and as long as they don't f up, when they then they did. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would say now, like, do you think the Mets at this point are any actual better on the field than last year? I have to say yes. I'd have to say yeah. yes too, right? Like even with Javi leaving, right? Mm-hmm. The Mets were overstocked in their infield, and they weren't getting guys enough at bats. Yep. So they had too many good players because it's not like Javi left and Jeff McNeil or uh, Escobar won't be able to replace a lot of what he does. Escobar, in fact, is a discount version of Javi's bat. or He's an increased version of Javi's bat. He's probably a discount version athletically uh, in the infield. But that's okay because it's still a high level? For $10 million. Yeah, yeah. The reality is you, you're getting McNeil and, and Escobar. For what you had, Javi. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's an increase. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could also say we have Robinson Cano, whatever. Robbie Cano, yeah. I think, is going to be a DH <laughs> even if he comes back. Yeah. Um, and I think the reality is, is that we all expect Robbie to hit okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I would tell you I wouldn't be shocked if, if Rob, Robinson Cano batted 280 with, like, 24 home runs. I'd take if that. If there's a DH especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if a DH walks in there, which almost 100% there's going to be a DH at this point, both sides have said it. That seems like, like the easy thing in the CBA. <laughs> the the The... MLB has been like, yeah, we'll add that, and that'll add another position player like contract yep. to most teams. 
um, to a bunch of teams. So, like, rallying back is if you think this year's team is better already, I would say that they're they, they're a better team than was than than the White Sox were heading into the year. Uh, yeah, I could say I could say that. Yeah, I'd say that they had a good. So White they, Sox were a ninety three win team. Yeah, and and I think like their talent was definitely there, and, and we, we even said like on paper the Mets talent for sure was there last year. It was maybe not quite to the the ceiling that some of uh, the White Sox guys had, but I think now like even just if you say with Escobar, Marte, and Scherzer, like forget Canha for a second. I think he's a great addition also. But just those three guys with the loss of Javi and just adding Scherzer, that makes us a much better team. Yeah, like Syndergaard didn't pitch last year, so losing him doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Right? So ultimately the team last year and the team that we had includes him. Carrasco missed a huge part of the year and then was ineffective when he came back. Yep. I can't anticipate Carrasco being that much of an abomination. Now, is he going to be the two ERA guy he was the year before? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be the six ERA guy he was for the Mets? Probably not. So, like, I, I, if I look at him and I say that he's going to be a high three, low four ERA guy, fine. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a decent pitcher with Carrasco. Scherzer is way better than Stroman. Way better. DeGrom healthy full year is DeGrom. Yep. Right? Best pitcher in baseball. So, the pitching staff at the top end... I would expect to be better than it was last mm-hmm. year. And also with Taiwan, like he burnt out halfway through the season. Yeah. Had a great first half. Yeah. And I think it obviously partially because he hadn't done that much innings in like three years. Really. Yeah. He had the shortened season, whatever. Yep. So I think next year, even if we get the middle like the middle ground of him being amazing in the first half and absolutely burning out the second half, totally happy with that right. as our number four, number five guy. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is he gets the shift down. So yep. if really I'm just looking at that, I'm fine with Buck coming in. Because I don't think Buck has the ability to say no to the analytics. No, I don't and think so And the Mets are building, like, the biggest analytics department in baseball. Like, I think they're up to, like, 30 people now that they've signed yeah, I was into their it. into their, their crew. Like, mm-hmm. they're going to have more analytics than anybody else in yeah. the entire game. And we've talked about it. That's how you win. Like, develop people. Mm-hmm. I hope they go to the minor leagues and they have a full-time guy. Like, pay. Don't just pay major leaguers. Pay for your development department to be elite. Yep. And then you won't have to pay people to come be great on your team. You'll draft better. I think the You'll Rays have set the tone for that 100%. The Rays have. You know who we don't give enough credit because then they F it up down the line? Tell the me. Athletics. Yeah. The Athletics routinely put together good players. Yes, they do. And then they also find veterans who are underutilized and get them in. Now, I will say this. I think that... The Mets have done... The Mets are like the Knicks in that they both have found really good veterans Mm -hmm. who outperform their contracts. Whenever they dive deep into paying a guy, like full price, Mm -hmm. they mess up. Yeah. But if you tell them, hey, like... So the rule of thumb is when you go into a restaurant, right, and you go into a better restaurant, you're going to buy a bottle of wine. You don't have to buy the expensive stuff, right? The expensive stuff they already knew, right? That Mm -hmm. was the easy stuff. It was, hey, how do we make the second best bottle of wine in here? Right? Or the, what's the second worst bottle of wine we have? Mm-hmm. Not the worst, because the worst they probably just buy Fremden. But that second to last one, somebody had to make a choice. Right? Like they had to look at it and they had to be like, well, why are we choosing this one? Mm-hmm. I really like it for what we can charge for, what we do. More time was put into that second to last bottle. And it's usually as good as some of the higher end bottles. Alec Burks on the Knicks. 
is the second best or second second to last bottle at a really good restaurant, and he outperforms it. Mm-hmm. Last year, Valar, Pilar, whatever you want to say, those were those guys. Mm-hmm. You know who underperformed? McCann. Yeah. Like we went out, and we gave ten million dollars to this catcher, and our our minimum salary guy was almost as good. Oh yeah. Uh, who also was not good, by the way. Tomas, I think, batted like one ninety eight last year. For sure. And we all like it. But we, we, we don't have him there for his bat. We, but when we talk about him, it's like, oh man, he had these clutch hits. He did all this stuff. Which he did. And, and he, then sure, but like yeah. you, then you look back at the line, you're like, wow, they were an abomination as a team. But he is a great catcher. Super, super solid yeah. backup. Great. I'm good with Buck. I'm good with anybody. Just I think sign just, someone. just as a, it's a. It would be a good change of pace from a leadership perspective, because I don't think like as much as Rojas was a player's manager, I don't think he had his both hands on the on the wheel. Um, I don't think you need a player's manager. Like name a player's manager in baseball. Aaron Boone. But Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone to me, like what has Aaron Boone done that you deserve? Like deserves him credit for anything? Nothing. No, no, absolutely. I, Girardi I, I was the hard ass, right? Yep. But Girardi won. Just as much or more than Boone has, but I also think you can you can be a hard ass and the players love you. Correct, and, and I think Showalter definitely has that at least to some degree. So like I'll he, give a I'll give a perfect comp. I'll give a perfect comp. Can I be hard on you guys in our business at times? Sure. Am I a jerk? No. No. They're like mm, maybe. No. Um, but, like, I think you can always be hard and have expectations for everybody and set a standard and create that and then have the tough conversation, mm-hmm. but also be a person yeah. and not be like, you, you, like, I'm going to fire you or, you know, you're going to be benched or whatever else. So, NFL, again, Urban Meyer benches James Robinson two consecutive weeks and doesn't play him. And he's trying to set a statement or something. And finally, Trevor Lawrence is like, yeah, we need him on the field. And he comes out and publicly says it that I asked for them to play James Robinson and we need him on the field. You can't bench him again because Lawrence used his power and Urban Meyer is known as a player's coach. Mm-hmm. Well, he's benching guys. Like, it doesn't always work the way people think it wants to. The Mets need leadership that knows what winning feels like. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's all they need. I don't think we had that in our manager last year. No, definitely not. I mean, he was... he was brought up, brought in as a, a quick replacement, spent a time in a, half a season, and then had a winning team for a little while, but they didn't weren't really that good, and then we ended up with an abomination second half. Yep. Um, when he had all those players. Yep. I think Buck, I mean, he's been the manager of the year like three or four times. Like, yeah. He knows what he's doing. Yep. And I think he, he'll set the tone, and like you're saying, expectations. He can get – go hard on his guys with the understanding and the communication that guys, we want to win. And I need this level from you. And if you're not doing it, I'm just going to be straight with you. And like, it is what it is. We're professionals. And I don't think Rojas really had that edge to him. And maybe he did, but it wasn't well known enough for us to assume that it actually existed. Yeah. So I'm here for it. And I think, I think Max Scherzer is also going to add a level to that. Cause I think he is the outspoken or, I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't say outspoken, but he's definitely more, um, outward with his emotions than uh-huh. DeGrom, and I love that. I think that's going to resonate through the rest of the team. Yeah, we've talked about it in the past. Like, there hasn't been a leader for the Mets, mm-hmm. right? And Lindor came in and, like, he didn't want to, like, impose too much, mm-hmm. but he also wanted to win. Like, the fight with McNeil and everything else. Like, yep. I think that was a challenge where 
the old, the guys who had been on the team wanted him to fall in line with their culture, mm-hmm. and he wanted to enhance it. And he wanted to say, "Hey guys, like, let I'm not here to necessarily take over, but like, I, I want to be elite. Like, I, I'm a great player. I want to lead us. Like, let's all rally together." And I think that too many guys who wanted to kind of just, "Hey, let our let our play on the field speak for us," was like the Mets motto. Mm-hmm. Those guys are leaving. You know, I never heard from Conforto. No. Right? I hear from Brandon Nimmo all the time. Mm -hmm. And Nimmo is from the middle of nowhere, and he's outward more outwardly spoken than Conforto but you and you know what he's all about like I don't know what Conforto is about I know Nimmo loves to hustle yeah. he's happy all the time he is amazing at bats and he's just an all-around solid player that I want on the Mets always yep and Conforto I, I he's he's got he's a guy who's gonna get Javi Baez money from the Mariners most likely mm-hmm. uh so I, I look I look at all of that and I say Rojas wasn't a strong enough personality to help change the culture yep and they need somebody who's strong enough personality-wise to change the culture. The reason why I liked Beltron or Granderson is they have gravitas to make everybody move. Yeah. Rojas didn't. And he's smart. He knows baseball. He's at the he's with the Yankees now, right? He's the third base coach. Yeah. Yep. Right? That's a great I spot loved for that yep. that signing. I love that signing by them. Mm-hmm. Right? Because again, it goes and it speaks to the fact that he it it did not take him long to land. And he landed in one of the best spots he could. Yep. Right? But the Mets need somebody who's going to come in and is going to be able to pull the media into themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be about it sitting on the players as much. You need a manager who can stand out there and take the shots for the team. Yep. And I don't think Rojas was that guy. Yeah, so in all reality, he actually might have been the perfect manager to start when Steve, when Steve got there. Because yes. it allowed him to be like, okay, cool, this is the bridge. Now I'm going to toss you and go get our Correct. guy for the future. Correct. But, but the thing is, is how long do you think Buck's the guy? Right? And that's what everybody worries yeah. about. It's like, oh, you know, if we have Buck for five years, Buck's 70. Mm-hmm. You know? well, so maybe then that allows one of the younger candidates to get their more experience somewhere else, and then you bring in like a like a Brad Osmus or somebody yeah. like that who has been a manager but needs more coaching experience, stuff like that. So that's why I think it'll be interesting who Buck chooses as his staff mm-hmm. if, he, if he does get the job. Um, and if it's Beltron, I think they're signing Beltron to be the guy for ever. That'd be cool. You know, and whether that works out or not will, will be dependent. But the, the Mets are about to be the Dodgers. They're about to be the Yankees. I, I, I know that everybody has, like, an immediacy thing with the Mets. When, they have an immediacy thing with New York sports. Everybody wants rebuilding to happen in New York. Mm-hmm. But the fans, everybody always says, oh, the fans won't listen. They, they don't want to rebuild. Any, any New York fan I've ever heard is like, if they do it right, I don't care. Yep. Right? The Knicks right now are frustrating because they were so good last year, and they've taken a step. I don't want to deviate. Like, the things that they have wrong – are that they need a point guard. That didn't change by getting Kemba. They, we knew that that was a, a stopgap, mm-hmm. right? They need a point guard who can, or, or a guard, period, who can be a guy who can go get a bucket by himself, right? They need an elite point guard like all of the other teams that are elite have. They're still searching for that player. Mm-hmm. That is fine. I don't care. Don't deviate. You have all your draft picks. You have all this stuff. Only make the move. If it's a no-brainer move, otherwise build the culture around what you want to be. Yep. And I'm cool with that. The Mets, I didn't want the Mets to sign all these players. <laughs> I did not want any of this. Now that we've done it, great. 
stick with the plan. You still need to develop people. Yep. You got to make this sustainable for the long term. It can't be that this is a. a, a and I think out. they have actually laid the groundwork. For yes. That, which is fine. I'm cool with that. And by doing it for two year contracts, they did it. Yep. Right. We've talked about that on the last show or the show even before that. Like Escobar is only two years, so it opens the door for him to either move off a position, somebody else to get traded, and for Beatty or Vientos or any of those guys to come up. Um, the signing in center locks out center for McLeod Lee, though. And that's where I start to say to myself, is Marte going to shift to a corner as he ages? And they're going to put Lee in center. Well, Canha's two years, right? Huh? Canha? Canha's also two years. So that, that leads me to believe when Canha's gone. Marte, Khalil Lee type thing. Well, who's the guy they just signed from the Cardinals? I keep thinking his name is Fuller, but it's not. Oh, Plummer. Plummer. Um, he's a, I mean, he's a big, big league deal, but, but it's like a, one year and he's going to be a triple A guy. But right? he's a 25 year old big league deal. But yeah. if, if you sign a big league deal, you're, you're theoretically on the big league roster. Like he's on 40 men. Right. Yeah. But even the money that he has is like, they, they put hundreds of that, like $600,000 into him. Mm-hmm. He was also a top prospect. He's currently listed as the Mets number nine prospect. Oh, he, I mean, he's a really good player. So he's, so my thing is he's a corner guy. Yeah. What's the deal with him? Is he going to be just the bat off the bench this year? And that's the guy that they're going to go with instead of a guy like Khalil Lee, and he's going to play both the corners, and Nimmo will occasionally take center so Marte can take a breather. Is that what they're going to do? Well, then that means that Khalil Lee spending another year in the minors full-time. And all he did last year was hit 950 OPS. If he has another 950 OPS year, what do you do? That's a Where great do you question. Go? So I love that they have those options. My question just becomes, do the Mets start making trades to – to fill other teams' major league roster issues and to fill their minor leagues with more talent. That, yeah. So well, my, the be. sad thing is, is that I think that that's going to mean that our guys who have hit AAA, who are just not going to be able to age to it, who've already been there, mm-hmm. if they have really great years, they're going to get traded from other minor league guys. Yeah. Unfortunately, I would say our like AAA level guys, it, we were top heavy. Yes. And. That well, allows us to, kind of. So, like, a lot of people will say our farm system is not deep at all. And I think I think people are not paying attention. For sure. But I think we know the top name guys, and they're all trying to get into positions that are kind of jammed right now. Like, yeah. we, we could put three third basemen out there that are high quality. But and, I, and, again, like, to me, when you talk about how good is a minor league system, you really have to look at your top the top 100 players in the minors mm-hmm. and say, okay, how many top 100 players do you have? Well, the Mets have like five guys who are top 50 players. So when you start saying that you that of the top 50 guys, 10% are on the Mets, how many teams can claim 10% of the top 50 on their team? At max, 10. But then there'd be a whole bunch of people don't have anybody in the top 50. So let's even assume that. That would mean that the Mets are top 10 farm system. Yeah. As currently constituted. Now, you could look long-term and say, oh, well, they don't have this or this. Well, it looks like the Mets are going to sign, potentially, Vlad's younger brother. Oh, really? Yeah, he's an international signing available now. And the Mets have more money than everybody else. So the Mets are going to go, and they're going to spend a whole heaping pile of money to potentially get him. Well, so what happens if the Mets sign him? Well, now all of a sudden you got Alvarez, who they signed, mm-hmm. who's 19, 20 years old, who's going to be in the show in a year. And as a catcher and, and only bangs home runs. Yep. Right? You might have Vlad Jr. The third. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know the kid's name. Um, 
that whole farm system changes overnight. Yep. How are you going to say that? That doesn't make any – Matt Allen missed almost all of last year with Tommy John. He was our uh, first-round pick. Yep. The dude's a super stud. He was one of our top ten prospects. He was considered one of the top 15 prospects in all of baseball for, from a pitching standpoint. The, it's not – the Mets minors aren't short on talent. They're just nobody who anybody thinks is going to be the best player in the game. Yeah. That's what the Mets have right now. Alvarez might change that. Mm-hmm. This year will matter a lot for him in that. Yes, I'm very curious. And I know that he needs to develop more on the defensive side, and I hope that's a thing because I think it will speed up his process he's a just lot a, more. He's slow out of his stance. Yeah. He's, he's Gary. Um, I think he's – I'd probably say he's a better athlete than Gary. Yeah, which probably helps he's a little bit smaller. He's shorter than Gary. Yeah. I think he's only like 5'9". So he's 5'10", like, 233. So his height makes it actually easier for him to get up and move a little bit, right. but he they posted up something to him him throwing to second base. He's got a, a cannon arm. He's just so slow through everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, I don't care. I think the thing he should be working on is not worrying about throwing guys out at second. Know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Don't care. Uh, I don't need you to be an elite like Javi guy because he's going to end up being a 35 home run catcher. And that's what you're you getting. Trade that, yeah. Yeah, that's what you're getting. Is that you got to know that you're going to play a guy you know, 120 games a year, and he's going to hit 30 home runs mm-hmm. at, at the catcher spot and be elite defen- offensively. So I think that's what Francisco Alvarez is. So Buck, I like to come in and change it. I like that they're moving to analytics. But, dude, if, if anybody has a doubt, the Mets are here to be the best team in baseball, not by how they perform just this season, mm-hmm. but by how they actionably go about developing teams. Yeah. And they decided that it, the time is now. I wanted them to wait one year. But they decided the time is now, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's over. Yeah. It's over. Sticking with New York for a minute, just because this came out, I want to say, two days ago, and I thought it was a little weird. Um, the Yankees have checked in with Correa. And rightfully so. Correa's a great player. Um, apparently, Correa is withholding his medicals from anyone, from any team, unless they make him a like reasonable offer. Um, and I think it has something to do with his lower back. That's what the, the news has been. He's had back problems before, um, and I just think it's very odd that he would do that. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I, it just seems like a poor tactic. I don't think it's a poor tactic because the reality is is by him withholding it from teams who aren't even willing to give him the money that he would want, mm-hmm. he, he's making it that somebody's got to put out there that they gave him a big offer. Then he gives them the medicals. If they look at it and they don't want to do the deal and they pull it off the table, he's fine with that. Yep. And I think him and his agent are fine with that. But if they let all ten, if they send out medicals to every team that asks for it, mm-hmm. then you're putting out there that you, you your back's hurt to everybody. People now know it's, it becomes a storyline. It becomes in paper. Oh, well, why didn't you guys go after him? Well, we didn't like what we saw in the medicals. It gives everybody a way of telling their fan base, that's why we didn't chase this guy. No, 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 no. Give me the offer first. So that way I can get all the window shoppers out of the out of the way. So if you're just a window shopper, kick rocks. But the reality is right now nobody can go after him. So why would I give you any medicals, especially yeah. if we were going to get a lockout? Because now that's just more reason everybody's going to sit back and be like, hey, we're not going to sign this guy. Nah, none of you have my medicals now. None of you know. When we come back open, you won't have the chance to check. Mm-hmm. But I could see Correa getting screwed. Yeah. And I could see this being the case with Correa. Correa signed something like a one-year, $40 million deal. Like, I could see him getting the bag as a mercenary for a single year. 
Well, we I mean, we talked about it in the last episode. Yeah. I, I I don't think, especially with the fact that there might be like a mad rush, even more so than before the CBA started yeah. to get people signed before the season. I don't know if anybody's going to want to commit three hundred fifty million dollars just on a on a quick Friday afternoon with no time to talk about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I'm sure they, they any teams that have been interested in Correa have talked to him in his camp. Yeah, and no, no, for nothing, sure. Nothing's going to change dramatically. The only thing that's going to change because of the CBA is going to be small contact, contract language that would be effective. Right. But like having a DH doesn't impact his contract. Nope. So any terms that were already negotiated, things that were already negotiated won't change. Mm-hmm. It's really just going to be, you know, if there's other things that are there, the DH would affect him by saying, hey, yeah, my back's bad, so I won't be able to play third or shortstop for you long term, but I'll be able to hit until I'm, you know, 36. So sign me for a decade, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't think it's a bad move, honestly. Okay. Um, I, I think it's a worse move that Kamar Rocker did that stuff. Yeah. Because if you look back, you, you literally are getting drafted. You can only sign with one team. So by withholding your information and not allowing anybody to do it until they get to the point that they can do an eval on you and realize that they shouldn't have drafted you, they have options too, man. Like, and you, you, your agent tried to pull cord and say, oh. Is he a Boris guy? Yeah. And and so, again, Boris played chicken and lost. Like, everybody thinks that Boris just played uh, the Mets and got $43 million. Steve Cohen's still playing chess, mm-hmm. not checkers. He went and wiped off anything that you said about the Mets being a discount shopper. You can't say that now. Yep. So when I say that we didn't sign Kamar Rocker because the deal wasn't good, you know it wasn't good because I just signed the mm-hmm. biggest contract in baseball per annum ever. So your guy sucked. Well, that yep. sucks for Kamar Rocker. Mm-hmm. Correa being hurt, nobody's going to care. It might limit how many years he gets. Yep. But that was going to happen no matter what he did. So I, I think withholding it doesn't doesn't impact him mm-hmm. too, too much. No, yeah, the, the Rocker thing was just way too sketchy for me. Way too sketchy. Um, Stick with the Yankees, actually. Uh, Clint Frazier, I don't know if you saw his tweet. Mm-hmm. I th- I fully agreed with actually what he was saying. I think he was definitely in a bad situation, and the Cubs is a good spot for him. So I would I would a thousand percent agree because the biggest reason why he was in a bad situation was you had a lot of guys that you had a lot of guys that played the same positions and all needed to be a corner guy. And Clint was never going to be able to fully get a full like pass mm-hmm. on a year. But what Clint Frazier showed you on a consistent basis is he probably should be playing baseball every day. The Yankees was never going to be it. Yeah. He had his concussion issues. They did give him like kind of a shot to start, but I I would say it was half-assed. Uh, yeah, but this, this year I toss. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. But I think... In the in the long run, I think he it was way too much up and down for him. I think the media gave yep. him a lot of shit for unnecessarily. Um, I would say his defense improved over his time with the Yankees, and I think Chicago being in a rebuild mode with the with the Cubs, I think it's a great spot for him. I think he'll thrive there, and I honestly I I think we know that he has the potential to be a really good player. He's definitely shown it with his bat. Um, so I hope it works out for him. I think I think that's a great. I think move. it will. I think he'll be a guy who's like again. If I told if I had to tell you who Clint Frazier is, he's probably not too too much different than Michael Conforto. Yeah, right. Also, the the reality is is that Conforto is probably a little bit more. His top is a little higher. Yeah. Um, and his floor is a little higher. 
But that also has to do with the fact that he's gotten more bats mm-hmm. and he's been able to kind of work through it. But last year, we 904 OPS for Clint Frazier, not, not 2021, the year before that, his 2020 year. Um, and the year before that, he was in the 800s. So like his two last years, again, look like Dom Smith's did. Then you have concussions, you have some injuries, mm-hmm. you have some stuff. This year's a bad year. It's just hard, and you got to just get that if you're a guy who's on the who's on the cusp trying to get through, your bad times you never get enough at bats to work through them. Yeah. But how many how many over the century slumps? Lindor went what 32 at bats without getting a hit at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Guy got to play every day. He batted 186 for a long time. Yep. Like he finished okay, but like he at one point in time was terrible. Mm-hmm. Below the Mendoza line for a hot minute, and. Him being a superstar allowed him to bypass it. Yep. So I think the Cubs are a perfect situation because he knows how to handle himself with a legacy franchise mm-hmm. because he's been a Yankee, right? There's nothing harder than being a Yankee in terms of how you have to perform in front of the media. You can't have facial hair. You can't do all the stuff. Like yep. He's going to the Cubs where some similar things, similar fan base, he knows the vibe. I think he'll do great. I, I love that signing for them and, and good for him. Mm-hmm. But I, I think they'll regret it immediately. But there's nothing they, they could do. What were they going to play him? They weren't. It's not going to happen. They got what, they got to play not play Joey Gallo like <laughs> not not play Aaron Judge. Nope. Giancarlo Stanton. Nope. Misaligned team. You guys are broken in terms of your alignment. Yeah, yep. I know. I'm aware. The Yankees doing very minimal moves in this offseason actually wasn't that surprising. At least no, to me. We, and we talked about yeah. it. Like they don't have money. Yeah. They, and they're not going to put money in again. My, my thing to everybody, the best pitching contract of this offseason was Berrios. Mm-hmm. We talked about it at the trade deadline last year. The Yankees should have gone in on Berrios. And I would have traded Judge. I would have gotten Berrios in a piece for Judge. And the, and the Yankees last year probably would have won more games. I could see them going after the free agent pitching, if, if anything. But there's, nobody, there's not going to be anybody left. I know. Who are you going to get? Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke. Well, like, that's my point. You like yeah. you guys are now trading out Kluber for Greinke. Sure, but you didn't upgrade. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. If anything, anything, they're gonna if they're gonna go. So you're another route. year of we can hit the ball during the regular season and we're gonna fail in the playoffs, and we'll win a couple of games early, maybe, mm-hmm. or we'll get bounced. It'll all come down to how the numbers play out. If our numbers play out to the positive of us, we'll win. If our numbers play out in a short series in the worst way, we'll get bounced early. But yep. you won't be able to do a stand-on-your-head performance by a pitching staff. You don't have the pitching to do it. The Mets could walk in. If you said the playoffs had to just start to start the year, mm-hmm. the Mets could walk in and wax almost every team. Yeah. The Mets win the first <laughs> two games, and then what? Like, you can't – this goes back to the 2015 so Mets. It's the 2015 Mets. Mm-hmm. They were OP. They played the Dodgers when the Dodgers were about to break through as the team. Yep. And the Dodgers couldn't beat that Mets team because that pitching was disgusting. Yep. And the Kansas City Royals were the last of the Mohicans in terms of we barrel up balls, we play small ball. Mm-hmm. That was the last team to do it. Nobody plays that style of baseball anymore. Nope. So if that same Mets team plays now, they win the World Series. Like, so if you're going to do it, go. I, I, Dennis brought it up last week. As soon as this on breaks, Cohen should go and sign Clayton Kershaw, collect the Infinity Stones, put them to good work. Oh, God, it would be so pretty. And then at the trade deadline, trade a whole bunch of your guys who were crushing it in AAA and trade for, you know, Glasnow coming off of his Tommy John surgery, fully recovered and ready to mm-hmm. go. Yeah, I think I think the, the that's going to be the time. 
They're gonna they're gonna add a couple more pieces and with trade our deadline. Guys, a whole bunch of teams realize you're gonna out. have to wait goodbye to Khalil Lee or somebody. Guys are about um, to come. Oh oh yeah, the, yep. the Mets the Mets are loaded for the midseason trade. Yep. loaded. That that's why I was saying us having a top heavy AAA set is gonna is gonna pay off. I I hope so. I just they have to lean into being the big bad. Mm-hmm. They can't not be the big bad. Steve Cohen, Bobby Axelrod needs to just lean into being the big bad. Yeah. One other thing that I I just wanted to cover real quick because we've had this conversation before. Since the Hall of Fame and there's nothing else going on, they were like, cool, let's get some guys who the the Golden Days initiative brought in six old guys yep. into the, in the yep. Hall of Fame. Yep. And it sparked a conversation of should Barry be in? Well, so, I, I mean, you know my stance. I know. And I just thought it was funny that everyone was like, yes, obviously Barry Bonds needs to get in. And I think, the like, I even saw John Heyman put out his uh, – his ballot yep. and he had bonds on it. Yep. I was like, cool. Maybe it's, it's starting to happen, but I, I don't know. I could see them like just shorting him. And it, it I'm like, I, I need it to happen so bad. And I don't know if it will. It and, loses all credibility if he's not in it. But so yeah. it, the, my, my challenge is, is that like all of these other guys get in because of other committees that baseball allows to mm-hmm. accept, right? The hall of fame allows these other people to expect the first one that goes through is just the baseball writers of America's, like, think. But the reality to me is is that that's such a broken system because, like, writers especially today, and this is why I think it's really wildly inappropriate for a writer to have votes anymore, right, Mm -hmm. is because they write inflammatory things to get clicks. Yep. So now I have to take hard lines. So I'm now voting hard lines instead of using my brain. Because everything in our society has become the the red versus blue, mm-hmm. right? The Yankees versus Red Sox. It's all, you're either one or you're the other. There's no gray area. The reality is life is gray, right? Mm-hmm. So did Barry Bonds use steroids? Yes. Did it make him one of the greatest players of all time? No. If you can't conceptualize that, then you shouldn't have a vote. Yeah. Right? Yep. Why and this is where I really want to go. This is where where I'm I'm heavy in on this. Cool. The use of steroids and performance enhancing drugs should be allowed in sports. Now I I a lot of the people who say that it's cheating, blah blah blah. Guys, do you know who uses a lot of steroids and a lot of performance enhancing drugs? Special forces operators. Mm-hmm. Why? Because if I'm in a situation where I can be bigger, faster, stronger, better, and it helps me go home, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't we want people to be bigger, faster, stronger, better? If I can take HGH, and instead of it taking a year for me to come back from Tommy John surgery, it took me four months, do you not want to see a great player be able to be great? Mm -hmm. Right? Some guys are born naturally with the ability to recover from injury faster than others. That doesn't mean they were better at the game. So you have some guys who were able to play for 20 years because they're good at, they're above average for a long ass time. Adrian Beltre is a great player. He's not better than David Wright. His numbers are all better than David because David did not play as long as Adrian did. Yeah. Guys, if 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 HGH got us to see that guy get to play eight more years of baseball because his body didn't fall apart. Mm-hmm. It's better for all of us. On a scale of one to 10. Yeah. 
what is the what is the risk factor of taking steroids? Because I saw so someone the risk who- the risk factor on steroids is steroids can increase growth. Mm-hmm. So if you are predisposed to cancer or anything else, steroids can increase your risks of cancers, right? So there's a, a downside there, prostate mm-hmm. cancer in men, things like that. So you can start getting into that. Sure. You also, by taking an overdose of ster- synthetic steroids, you can damage your liver, mm-hmm. right? So there's a point where you don't want to go there. The guys who are doing it enough to damage their liver, though, are doing like stupid amounts. We've talked on the show before. I'm not going to name any names. There's a commissioner's exempt list. There are guys who are on that list who are allowed to take TRT. TRT is testosterone replacement therapy. It is a synthetic steroid to allow you to be in a normal range of testosterone. The reality is that the normal range goes anywhere from like 250, like micromilligrams per liter in the in the blood, to 1,200. So if you are at 1,200 and I am at 275, you have distinct advantage in your blood mm-hmm. to beat me. I could take TRT, steroids, and I could get up to 750. You're still higher than me even though you're not on steroids. Right. What does it matter? So we allow some guys to take it because they came into the league with lower testosterone. So they're allowed to be on a commissioner's exempt list to use this for health purposes. Mm-hmm. But other people who came into the league with enough and then dipped down below it are not allowed to. You're already here. You can't do it. That is a broken system that inherently allows for cheating and distortion of things. So, like, just let everybody do it, but just don't let everybody get outside of a range. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, so, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger was on steroids. Right. But if you look at Arnold, 240-pound, two Arnold, he was in amazing shape. He was jacked. Oh, yeah. But he would look small on a stage now. Yep. The bodybuilders would put him to shame in terms of how big they are. Mm-hmm. They're taking way too much. They get distended bellies. The distended bellies that they get is actually from the growth hormone because it actually increases the growth of your organs. Right? It also can be from insulin. Right? Because mm-hmm. one of the most abused things that uh, guys take is actually insulin. It's not steroids. You get the distended belly from taking the insulin, and you take insulin so that you can eat carbs and, and not get fat, right? So you can do this stuff to to balance out key, like your diet, mm-hmm. right? The big thing is is that uh, Sylvester Stallone has been on HGH and steroids since Rocky movies. Yep. And he's like in his 70s walking around vibrant as hell enjoying life. Mm-hmm. That's the answer. Why wouldn't you do it, right? Mm. Like I'm, I'm. Yesterday's the birthday. Happy birthday to me. I'm four years away from forty. Why wouldn't I? If I can get to that point, and I go. You know what? Low level testosterone. Make it easier for me to get around life, more energy. Yeah. Why the fuck? Why? Why not? My first curse of the day. Like, <laughs> so why? Why wouldn't I? So we're looking at MLB players who are having to play 162 games. And everybody goes, oh, well, guys, in, you know, 1940, they didn't have access to it. Guys were taking greenies, and nobody said anything about it. So guys in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and there was a, a bowl of amphetamines for everybody to pop into their mouth and give them energy on a game. Nobody thought about that. Before mm-hmm. there was cross-country flights, there were no night games. Guys got to sleep on normal schedules. Now you have some games that end at 11.30 at night and another game that's going to start that you have to be at the field by 10 a.m. How'd you sleep? You didn't. But we're having to overcome it without having amphetamines now. Like, well, why should we not have it if those guys had it? Mm -hmm. 
we make these arbitrary rules because we're trying to define what things are. Right. All I'm saying is I'm not here for just rampant drug use in the sport. <laughs> However, some of us, we have to take a step back and recognize that medical advances have allowed us to understand all this stuff more. Yeah. And if we all set a limit to what that is, and it makes it that our best players can play and not have to deal with a hamstring injury that goes all year long, it just makes it that a guy can take HGH, mm-hmm. and instead of it going all year long, he's 100% in four weeks. Why not? Yeah. And I think that was the, the question that was posed, I think it was on Twitter, was like, why isn't there more science or more energy being put into the science of making like a safer version of this that players that can be used and like be accepted in the game? The answer is it already exists. And it's being used by players in the game. And just no there's time a player about. there's a player who's won the MVP award, who's considered a generational great player mm-hmm. who is taking artificial t- testosterone. Every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing happens. No problems. He's got no health deficiencies. There's nothing else that's going on from this. You have baseball writers who are writing about guys cheating who are taking TRT. So what? at what uh, age level would you start accepting? Any. That? I don't care. Give it to an 18-year-old? I, I, again, as if, if you look at a player, right... And we say that we're going to set the upper range as the as the max. Mm-hmm. The upper range isn't allowed to move. It's 1,200, right? Sure. Then you just can't go past 1,200. So if you're at 750 and you wanted to take a little bit, I don't care. But the reality is, is that when you start taking artificial, it also shuts down production of testosterone in your testes. Right, and then you become right? more reliant on that. And then you artificial. become reliant on it yeah. all the time. So then my point to you is, is that the reality is most players... And most guys don't need to take it all the time. But if I have that the season gets done on December 1st, November 15th, whenever day you want to you call it, November 15th, everybody is done playing. And February 15th, everybody's back up. I have 90 days to, to recover, develop, and get back to the field and start doing it again. Mm-hmm. It ravages the body. Yeah. And guys who used to do it in 1950s, the, the season ended, you got to go around, be a punk ass, and then spring training is where you got into shape, yep. right? Keith Hernandez, Hernandez was out here running the streets, right? Living the high life, skiing in the winter and the summer. Mm-hmm. And he was able to get in shape during spring training and just step out yeah. and be a great player. You can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. There's so many guys who couldn't play today just because they don't have the work ethic to get to today. Oh, well, in my day, I would have taken thousands of ground balls. These guys take hundreds because they also have to go to the gym. They have to lift. They have to do all this other stuff to make sure that they can be peak. You were hitting off guys throwing 88. Now guys' change-ups are 88. Stop. Yep. It's so different. So, like, everything has changed. I I just think that we should unencumber ourselves from this Puritan ideology of not doing anything. And like, oh, you shouldn't take... Dude, I don't care. NBA, once a year they do street drug testing. Mm -hmm. MLB, street drug testing, once a year. There's more dudes who smoke weed in in baseball than NBA, right? Mm -hmm. I have it from from MLB players' mouths that 75% of the league smokes weed. But like we, we don't make a we don't make a fuss about it nope. in the MLB, right? Yeah. NBA guys get popped. NFL guys get popped all the time. Mm-hmm. 
for doing things that guys in the NBA and the MLB are like, well, why do they even care? Right? Yeah. Like, but that make, is absolutely mind blowing to me. It's a completely separate conversation, but yes. But we make this entire conversation about what everything is. Yeah. And the reality is, is that nobody actually cares. It's a list of rules that everybody just sets up arbitrarily mm-hmm. and nobody's actually following. Yeah. Drugs are bad, but we're going to tell you when the test is coming. Just don't have it in then. You can smoke the whole rest of the year. Yeah. I told you the story. The one the one player who will not be named here smokes on the, smoked on the team plane. Yeah. Before vaping was a thing. <laughs> like, yeah. wow. And, and, and nothing. No problems. Nope. Oh, there's no nobody even thinks there's a drug problem in baseball, because there's not. Oh, that's definitely not a conversation that's even remotely prevalent. Couldn't tell you last time I heard about it. Nobody says anything. Not a thing. So like we don't talk about things that we just want to like they make these stances. We fixate on things. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at it like if I think if you can you pull up the amount of people who die every year from taking steroids. And I'll I'll leave you with this point because I think that this is the. This is the key point. Sure. At one point in time, the amount of people that were said to have died every year from steroids was like two people per year. Okay. And was that like a like a legitimate stat or like legitimate they just didn't stat. talk about it? Okay. Like, no, le- legitimate stat. Like, if 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 you look at that, and what I'll have you do because you got your computer in front of you, I do. Is how how many people die every year from aspirin? Tylenol. Tylenol. Let's go with Tylenol. It's a very common overdose. So that would go, you know it. I know it. But we're gonna we're gonna make this whole case here real quick. I'm having trouble pulling up the stats. That's all. 450. How many people die every year from steroids? 450 as a, and this is just a stat from 2017. Oh, actually no, that's a that's a, uh, 2013. In 2013, over 1,500 people died from acetaminophen. 450 in 2017. So a decent amount of people. So you're you're saying all those people just from taking Tylenol? Yep. Right. What about from taking aspirin? And and, I, and I'll rally I'll rally my point is the reason why Dennis is having struggles finding a number mm-hmm. is because it's insignificant to the point that it's not even worth really mentioning it, um, and and you you can't find it. Um, so I guess a lot of these stats were compiled in 2017. Because this also has, from 2017, 3,000 from aspirin. So 3,000 people have died per year from aspirin, right? 1,000 from Tylenol. From 1990 to 2012, there were 19 fatal cases of steroid use. So in 22 years, 19 people and just aspirin in 22 years would have killed somewhere in the ballpark of 66,000. So, yeah. why do we do this? Because somebody wants to make up a random reason why it's bad. Mm. I don't think that we need to ixnay the entire thing. I think what we need to do is just set guidelines that allow for competitive balance. Mm-hmm. And if competitive balance is how much testosterone is naturally capable of being found in a man on any given basis, you're good. Because no one's going to hit exactly that number. You're going to be a scale even if you take TRT. 
You just can't take so much that you pass the scale. But if it makes everybody like a little better and feel better and less mm-hmm. injuries and less problems, who cares? Yeah. I think it's it really is the fact that the amount of like pain and 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 work that goes into like getting these players into peak physical condition 365 days a year is entirely different than anything we've ever seen before. Yep. And so, that's why and guys' careers are shorter. To, yep, absolutely. But we're still going based off of longevity in baseball for how good you were. We're, we're testing the limits of the human body at this point in time, and we're not adjusting to the recovery process to elevate to that level. How often are the Olympics? Every four years. Every two years. Every two years, but yeah. How often are the same Olympics? Four. Every four. Every four years. Yep. Usain Bolt loses races when it doesn't matter. He peaks for one big event every four years. Yep. We ask our professional athletes to be at peak performance all year round, every single year, for a decade plus. The reality is is that very, very few human bodies can handle it. Mm -hmm. Who's starting to deteriorate before our eyes? Jacob DeGrom. Mike Trout. LeBron James. LeBron James, sure. LeBron had not missed any games, really, in his career. Yeah, his last couple years, he's had a ton of injuries. Missed it all of of two years ago, right? Missed time. Mm -hmm. Finished up the year on the... This year, missed a whole bunch of time. He is in his mid to late 30s. I think he's 37 in a few days, Mm -hmm. right? Because he's a year and change older than... uh, A little less than a year and change older than me. Okay. Um, And... In his later, in his late thirties, mid to late thirties, his body cannot get up and be him every day like it used to, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a reality. It's a fact. It shows how amazing he's his physical character is. That it took that long. It took seventeen years for his body to break down. But how many other guys broke down earlier than that? Yep. Right. Danilo Gallinari on the Knicks had a bad back as a rookie. He's had a bad back his whole career. He misses games forever. Great player when he plays. Can't play all the time because his body will not allow him to. Mm-hmm. Does it mean his skill is low? No. If the dude could take some stuff that would make it that his injuries were not as persistent, we would get better basketball. We would get better results. Mm-hmm. We're hanging on to in our head, 1990s baseball is was like the, the, the cream of the crop. Yeah. Right? I know a guy who was a first baseman in the MLB in 1990. Right? And he hit 12 home runs was his peak year as a first baseman. Well, I mean, the... Starting first baseman in the MLB, 12 home runs. It would not happen this year. Guys, like, we're in a different world now. I mean, in all reality, like, the steroid era, a lot of people could argue, save baseball. Saved baseball. And that's why they put their head in the sand and they didn't do it. But then there was so much drama that came from it Mm -hmm. because there were court proceedings and everything else. We turned steroids into this thing to hang the, the problem on. And the problem isn't that guys take it. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's that we've created no idea of when it's it's okay. Right? Yeah. We don't have guidelines for when the use is applicable. And there should just be uses for when it's applicable. But we don't think anything about letting them take aspirin, but people die all the time from it. Yeah. Tylenol, people die all the time. What happens in the NFL? Countless blue tents pop up. Guy goes in, he's got he's got a janky hip. Mm-hmm. Right, gets Perfect. a little shot of something. Then we're gets out of a little shot of pain reliever in his hip, and then all of a sudden, my dude's back out on the field, finishes the game. 
Next week, he's out and he doesn't play in the game because of a bad hip, right? Mm -hmm. How did this hip allow you to play right after the injury, but we held you out a full week and changed because the hip injury was that bad? It's because you took some stuff that allowed you to play. Yeah. But that's okay. We let professional... So so I tore my knee out my senior year of high school, and I had never been injured before. Mm -hmm. And... I tell this story to my athletes all the time because it was the thing that really like hit me. It I had uh, 500 milligram pills of Vicodin, right? Mm-hmm. It took me eight to get pain relief because I was 278 pounds. And I was an athlete who was used to being in pain. And now my knee was tore apart and I had pain. But the only way for me to have pain relief was to take eight narcotics. And those are legal and allowed mm-hmm. at the NFL level and all this stuff. And that is addictive. And we have a we have a pill problem in the country in general, right? Absolutely. But it's illegal for me to go and take a plant and smoke it and get the same pain relief mm-hmm. with less neurological addiction. Yep. Because somebody said it that that has to be that way. Mm-hmm. And that's my point, is like Sports just needs to separate that we're not normal people, that we're going to do stuff to have the best performance. Mm-hmm. WWE, who's not on steroids? Who's not taking painkillers, pain relief, HGH? Everybody. Yep. Nobody cares. Nope. The only time, the only place I would tell you that you 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 probably have an argument for the use of steroids and stuff not mm-hmm. being allowed in sport is single event style things like track and field mm-hmm. where like we're going from here to here yeah and that's all you do because that is so much related to having that little bit of a difference you can see on a field what do you think about combat sports the other one is combat sports okay. um is if you're fighting somebody else you're in a situation where taking anything i yeah. feel like yep. the only thing i would say is again and i would go back to this is hgh because so they need to, their so recovery is on a totally different level. People with congenital heart failure, right, mm-hmm. that are dying and feel horrible all the time, take HGH and like are like in love. Mm-hmm. They feel like a normal person again, but it's illegal for them to take it. Right. But it's saving their lives. We we just have these taboos that we've created mm-hmm. that then hurt people. Yep. For no reason other than we've made an arbitrary rule, but we'll we'll break the rule for the right instances. Yep. It's a very weird world. So many, so many contradictions. So many like layers to the issues. Uh, especially, I, I think the the marijuana use is definitely a big one. Especially in football, I think it's absolutely absurd. I'm gonna throw a curveball at you right now. Fine. If you could go back in time and when you were in school, would you have taken steroids to throw harder? I, I'd be honest with you, I considered it. Yeah. I I got drug tested actually my freshman year. Okay. Because. And I, I, it was very, it was very obvious who they chose. But we went we made it to the World Series my freshman year, uh, and they picked out our five best players, me being one of them at the time. And they said, "Cool, we're all going to drug test you, especially the one kid who had failed a drug test before." Um, and I thoroughly hated that experience. You got to piss in front of somebody; it's weird. Um, but then I was good. I never got tested again. And I was like, "Okay, so I just passed flying colors. Obviously, I could go tomorrow and go to get on a cycle and become an absolute machine, and you're going to say nothing to me." Because I already passed it. Like, everybody I talked to who got tested their freshman year never got tested again. And it was like, well, why wouldn't I? But I 
just through my own like morals and kind of just like not knowing about anything i was like i'm just not gonna do it and i'm just gonna do it the right way but like i totally could have i tore my leg in my freshman year give me some of that good stuff i got a cortisone shot that thing is amazing because a week later i could throw and do everything i needed to do with no pain but that see that so that's the thing right cortisone masked your pain yep but the damage was still happening yep hgh gets shot into you and it starts to fix the labrum rapidly right so cortisone for anybody who doesn't know yes pain reliever but it allowed me to just start working on the things that i needed to to make the surrounding parts of my shoulder i tore my labrum makes the surrounding parts of my shoulder stronger so that i was able to throw and when the cortisone stopped working i was in less pain i still have pain to this day um but it definitely helped me get through the process especially being in like i played baseball in boston it's cold in the spring you gotta really get warm and do a lot of extra stuff and for me i had to do a lot to get there um but it was it was worth it but i totally agree if i had the opportunity to take something and it's gonna make this all better and i'm not gonna have to worry about putting in the extra work to heal up i would have done it so what is cortisone uh it ends in one so i have to assume some type of okay. steroids or something it's something steroid like, yeah it's a corticosteroid, corticosteroid yeah. right? Which is an anti-inflammatory, yeah. but it's corticosteroid. So we're cool with that. Yep. Anybody here ever get a bad infection? What do they give you? Steroids. So we're good with it when we're good with it. We're bad with it when we're bad with it. There's no actual rule. There's no actual thing. Mm -hmm. And I take your case and I go back and I say, how many other guys that you were competing against were utilizing things to get healthy, to get going? We had a player hurt their body. They threw 97 with their left hand. I had a, a hard rule at Superior. If I caught you taking steroids, you were out, and you were never allowed to train at the gym again. Mm -hmm. I changed my monster. And I said, if you're a kid and you're taking steroids, I'll beat your ass. Because there's no reason for you to really take it until you're probably 23. Mm -hmm. Because you're a peak steroid, you're peak testosterone in your blood guy. No reason to do it, manipulate your system, and throw off the rest of your life. Yep. But when you finally get to development, this this player was 23. They had just hurt their arm. If they had taken six weeks of HGH, the entire injury would have been healed. Mm -hmm. And nobody would have ever known. Yep. And the reality that I sit and I look at is what, what morality am I doing when I look at somebody and I tell them that their body failed them on their dream at the worst possible moment? And everybody would tell me, oh, well, you know, that's just the shakes. That's what it is. That's where it is. Cool. If you were going to lose your job and I told you that somebody else would do your job for you and they would, you, and you could take all the credit for you, did, did you cheat? Yeah. But you wouldn't think a lick if somebody did it for you, right? Mm -hmm. If all of a sudden we had a huge, massive project that Josh Gerson needed to deliver on, right and you had somebody else edit a video and you got to take all credit for it right mm -hmm. nobody ever gonna know right yeah didn't hurt anybody you're still good at the thing mm -hmm. you just didn't have the time and the ability to get it done within the window by yourself you needed to call in help sure dennis were you able to pot, pack and ship every single box for baseball lifestyle during the holidays no you had to call in help yep did dennis not do his job because he needed help no. During a window, sometimes the circumstances change your choice of what you do. Mm -hmm. But we put athletes on a pedestal and we ask them to be greater than they are. And that's it to me. Like, 
everybody, everybody needs a little help, bottom line. Sometimes everybody needs a little help. And to me, players, you see the depression guys go through, especially when they get hurt, and now we're talking about their depressions, mm-hmm. especially in the midst of being hurt. Guys, that, that's been happening to people for forever. Yeah. How many guys oh, quit or I, I myself was or, absolutely shook when it happened. I, I was, It was literally, I want to say it was right after Thanksgiving, and I was like, cool, I'm going to start throwing again. Kind of, you know, we start a little earlier in college. Let me get going. Throw number three. All of a sudden, it feels like there's a fire in my shoulder. Couldn't lift my arm, nothing. And I went and got checked out, the whole thing. And they're like, yeah, no, it's it's messed up in there. And I was sh- just absolutely heartbroken for like two weeks. They gave me the shot, whatever, and I started like going at it. And kind of, I was like, I need I need to play. But I was so worried because the pain was that like bad. I was like, am I am I screwed? Is this it for me? Um, and I can't even imagine when you get to the professional level when you're it's your livelihood at stake. And like me and Dennis were talking about uh, before the podcast, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater's knee was destroyed, possibly almost beyond repair. I can't even imagine what he went through. A guy like Alex Smith too, like yep. your 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 whole life is shattered. Yep. Like, when when there is an answer. Yep. And, and that's my thing is that if we look at any of those cases and we just said we have an ability to give hope, to make injuries disappear faster. Mm-hmm. We can get people back in the game faster. Who is that hurting? Don't really know. People, I guess the the people who make the rules. It's the integrity of the sport. We're not. We want everyone to be on the same level playing field. But at the end of the day, it's is it? And we talk about baseball has been a game of cheating forever. Forever, right? You, people, did you see the thing with Bob Gibson? No. Bob Gibson um, pretty much made a case for uh, Barry Bonds to be in the hall. He's like, guys, people have been cheating in baseball the entire time, the entire time. And he, and he listed all like the old people, like you know, hey, uh, uh, spitballs and and scuffing and all this different stuff. What is what is it? And we've talked about that on this oh, show. Yeah. Like, and again, I love a guy like Bob Gibson saying it. Like, it's the steroid era. You have the dead ball era. You have the spitball era, right? You have segregation. You have when we we allowed everyone to play the game. Everything's changed always. Mm-hmm. Just why are we trying to annex it out? Because the reality is that guys would be crushing home runs without taking steroids. The game changed. Yep. They realized loft and all these other things. How the game was played has changed dramatically because of the steroid era. And it wasn't for the worse. Home runs are fun. The home run derby, we were talking about it. Somebody won the home run derby with four home runs. Yep. He he, he got four home runs in a round. Pete Alonso hit four home runs in a row. I think he hit like nine in a row. The game is vastly different than mm-hmm. it was then. Everything about, like, so why are we trying to make it the past always? We don't want progress. I use it like like gun like rules in this country. I'm going to get big on everybody <laughs> on this. I'm going deep on this one. When everybody was allowed the, the right to bear arms, it took you 60 seconds to load between shots. Yep. You pulled the trigger, then had to put the thing down, pull out a, a thing, <laughs> load stuff, load things into it, put packing in, mm-hmm. then drop a little cylindrical ball... Right? Yeah. Then pick it up, cock it, point it, shoot it. And because the barrel was made by hand, it was erratic in where the bullet went. Yep. There was very little precision across each gun. Mm-hmm. And there was very little precision across each one of these little round balls. Now, 
we can get extended clip semi-automatics that shoot six, 26 bullets in a row, that fast unload, flip the thing around, reload it, I got another 26. I can shoot 52 shots before I have to think about where my next bullet comes from. Yep. We probably need a different rule than what they wrote when it took me 60 seconds between shots. Boom. Everybody just get on the dude with the one bullet gun. <laughs> like, it's over. Mad. D- done. So we, we, we are always trying to say that we've had these rules forever, so they're always smart. Mm-hmm. And it's like we can use them as reference to grow. Yep. Right? But we shouldn't use them as the defining characteristic of where we're where we are. There are amendments in the Constitution for a reason. And there needs to be more. Yeah. And we need more amendments in baseball. We need to change the way the teams mm-hmm. run themselves. We need to change how players and are And I guess we, we are at that crossroads with the CBA. It won't change enough. It, yeah. It's not that, that's the enough. problem. Yep. It's going to change enough that there everybody's like, meh. And then we're going to go out and no big dramatic shifts are going to happen. And I need to see some owners just step up. I need to see a dude like Mark Cuban go, hey, you know why I, I wouldn't get into baseball? They don't play pay, uh, pay the players enough. Uh, if, if you're going to have an uncapped thing, you're going to have everything else. Like, you know, I'd probably be spending 30, $350 million a year on a team. How fast would teams in Houston, Texas, everybody, whoa, hold on. Mm-hmm. Whoever our owner is needs to sell to Mark Cuban tomorrow. <laughs> yep. Right? Like the outrage for Mark Cuban getting in the league. Well, Steve Cohen's set the tone for that. The the Dodgers ownership group. like The Guggenheim group? Yep. Yeah. Well, yep. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Well, but without everybody making big changes to something that we've been holding on to, we're going to get the same thing with slight improvements. Yep. We're going to paint the car, but we're not going to fix the fact that it's rusting underneath. Yep. I think that's a great way to lead off. Guys, let us know something that you want to see change in the game. Anything. And uh, we'll see you next time. Let us also know in the comments what soups you're trying this week. Yes. We want to know your soup situation. Later. Baseball lifestyle. It's my lifestyle. <laughs>